Hey, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the Milwaukee Chi Alpha Podcast. What you're going to get from this podcast is biblical encouragement for college students in Milwaukee. And if you don't fit that description, this can still be a good listen for you. What you're about to listen to is our sermon series called Sent. We're studying the book of Acts, the ordinary people who had an extraordinary story. Open in something like a large sheet being let down to, to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eating, eaten anything that anything unpure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit came to him. Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come... from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men to the house to be his guests. Thank you so much, Megan. And I love your shoes. Those are pretty great. So we have been in the book of Acts. We are still in the book of Acts. Thank you, Megan, for reading Acts chapter 10. Um, When I was in college, as many of you are, when I was in college, I had a rough, a really rough few years dealing with depression. And I remember, I remember at times feeling really hopeful, like, you know, God is God and this, this won't be forever and this will be great and things will get better. And then I remember things getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I remember getting to a point where my situation felt impossible. And I'd kind of come to this point where it's like, well, this is how it is. I'm dealing with depression. Hopefully I can actually deal with it. And this is my life. And sorry to everyone before me, my youth pastor, everyone who had so many big dreams for my life because I found myself in this seemingly impossible, hopeless situation. And maybe you relate, maybe with depression, maybe not. But I'm going to guess that you relate to this idea of this kind of like hopeless, what the heck, like how, how is this going to turn around? What's going to happen? Is this going to turn around? probably in your own life, but even if not in your own life, or even if in your own life, we can look out at the world around us and see a broken world. Like, things are not how they should be. Things are not how we want them to be. We've talked about that before, this idea of we're longing for something greater. We're longing for eternity. We're longing for heaven and earth to be restored in Christ's second coming. But here we are in a broken world, where things aren't as they should be. Enter Cornelius, because Cornelius probably relates to that. And he's one of our two main characters in this story. We have Cornelius and we have Peter. 
And I want to start by looking at Cornelius here. He is described as a God-fearing Gentile. So what does this mean? So we have the Jews and we have the Gentiles. They don't really get along. They don't like each other. The Jews don't like the Gentiles. Lots of history behind that. But a God-fearing Gentile, he would have believed in God. He would have believed in the God of Israel. It says very clearly that he gave to the poor. And this is like, this is referenced a few times and counted to him as like, this is one of the reasons that God speaks to him. He says, because you're doing what you should, because you're giving to the poor. So this is clearly an important aspect. We're not digging into a whole ton tonight. But he believes in God. He gives to the poor. And he probably followed a good portion of the Jewish law. And people did have the option of converting to Judaism, even if they were not Jewish by um, by birth. But Cornelius clearly didn't. And it's likely, it's likely that a big reason there is because of circumcision. Just what you thought we'd be talking about tonight, right? Yeah, that's why you came to Chi Alpha to talk about this. Um, but we, but we, we need to mention it because it is, it is an important role here. Because this also, like, Circumcision comes up throughout this passage multiple times. We know that Cornelius is not circumcised, which is kind of weird that we know that, but like that was just the reality. So the significance here, back in the days of Abraham, back in the Old Testament in Genesis, when God established his covenant with Abraham, which I wish we had a lot of time to go through right now, but we don't, um, one of the things that didn't make it into our announcements, Thursday afternoons, we're doing a learning hour, um, going through the Old Testament, questioning the Old Testament. So if you have questions about the Old Testament, if you love it, if you hate it, come to our learning hour because we're diving into all the tough questions. And um, this week we're looking at creation, the scientific and biblical accounts. Do they clash? Do they work together? What do we do with that? And maybe one day we'll talk about the Abraham covenant because it's a beautiful passage. But back to our sermon here. So when God established his covenant with Abraham, circumcision was established as the sign of the covenant. This was a sign of the covenant between God and Abraham. So this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. This is the covenant like, you will be my people, I will be my God. Circumcision was the sign of that. So to convert to Judaism as a male, you had to be circumcised. And so Cornelius was not, he could not, without doing that, could not be, could not convert. Other things to know, again, he's a Gentile, Jews, Gentiles. A Gentile simply means he wasn't Jewish. A Jewish person would not go into the house of a Gentile. They would have very minimal associations. And a lot of it goes back to Jewish law. We see a lot of laws listed out in the, um, I'm getting my steps in apparently when I'm up here. Like my watch is like, good job. So anyway, we see back in the Old Testament in Leviticus, all of your favorite books in the Old Testament, we see these cleansing laws. And so a Jewish person if they touched certain things or ate certain foods or any of that, they would have been unclean. So going into a Gentile's house who did not live by these rules would have just been like a really 
not fun because they would have likely been unclean and then have to go through cleaning rituals, and so they just avoided it. And then it became this very legalistic thing where it was like, no, absolutely not not entering. So a Jewish person would not enter a Gentile's home and definitely would not eat with a Gentile. So this is Cornelius's relationship with the Jewish people, the people of the God that Cornelius worships. So talk about kind of a, a sucky situation. And on top of that, it's not like this is how it's been for a couple of years. This is how it's been for hundreds of years. Like this isn't, you know, this is just what it is. This is life. This is normal. So this is Cornelius. And God appears to him and tells Cornelius, send your people to this Jewish guy named Peter. And amazingly, Cornelius obeys. So now let's look at Peter for a minute. Peter is a Jew. Peter is not only a Jew, he's now like the leader of the apostles. Like he's kind of a big deal. We've talked about him a few times. He gives a beautiful sermon in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Peter's a big deal, you know, like he kind of really turned his life around. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit turned his life around, really. But so Peter is a Jew, and he goes up to pray and has a vision. And in this vision, he sees a sheet coming down from heaven with lots of different animals on it. And here's a voice saying, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's response three times is, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. So if this seems a little odd to you, that's okay. It is odd. But within context, it makes sense. So again, going back to the Old Testament, we're just getting lots of context history lessons here tonight. Going back to the Old Testament, these are the same laws, certain things that they couldn't eat, they couldn't touch, they couldn't do. There's a list of animals that the Jews were told not to eat. This is the idea of kosher. If you've heard this idea of, is it kosher? Can a Jewish person eat it? Is it free of all these things that they don't eat? So the sheet comes down with unclean animals on it, and God says, eat. And Peter says, no. And we have to understand, this isn't like, this isn't like if you don't like something and somebody like serves it to you at their house. Like, I don't like meatloaf. I hate meatloaf. I will avoid meatloaf at all costs. In fact, when I was having a baby and everyone's like, let us bring you food. And they'd be like, what are you allergic to? I said meatloaf. Like, I just hate meatloaf. But this isn't like that. This isn't like I'm going to avoid it as much as I can. This is like if somebody came to you and said, your childhood pet that you've had for as long as you remember and you love dearly and everyone loves, kill it and eat it. Like, that's what this is. This wouldn't just be like, no, I can't, like, please don't make me. This would have been, like, appalling. This idea of eating these foods would have made Peter feel sick. And yet this voice from heaven is saying, kill and eat. Maybe you guys are all in shock. I'm surprised there wasn't more of a response when I'm like, kill your family pet and eat it. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. There's the laughing. Nobody wants to, like, give an amen to that. Like, whoo, just kidding. Um, Okay, so this is like, Peter would have been like, no, this is a really, really big deal. And the vision ends with a voice saying, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
And then Peter's left to sit and think about this. And what does this mean? Jeff's going to talk more about this next week. But this is kind of a revolutionary thing um, in this moment. And this changes the whole direction of Christian history in this moment. When suddenly Peter realizes all this stuff that we thought was not okay, God is saying it's clean. And as if by divine design, or absolutely by divine design, Cornelius's men show up as Peter's having this vision. And the voice says to him, Simon, Simon Peter, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So this vision that Peter has had, it's about food, but Peter quickly connects the dot. Because these people who are here are Gentiles. These people themselves are not clean and can make Peter not clean. Again, big deal. And he has this realization that he himself would say these Gentiles are unclean, but God has sent them. God sent them. Don't call impure what I have made clean. So Peter goes against all of his internal instincts and he listens to God, and he goes with these men. So a few things I want to notice in this story. Two things that we're not digging into a ton, but man, we could spend a lot of time on. First of all, it needs to be mentioned, we've mentioned this already, giving to the poor is held in high regard here. Like, if you want to do a study, look into that, because it comes up all across the Bible, and in this passage, we kind of skip over it, but it's mentioned like three times that he gave to the poor, and this is a good thing, and God came to him because he gave to the poor, or that was one of the reasons listed. So, like, this is, it's really easy, I think, for us to, like, let's read our Bible, let's pray, but we kind of forget some of those other things of helping people around us. So, something to think about. And you can do more look into that. You can look into that on your own. The other thing here, again, that we're not diving a whole ton into, but there is a clear statement made. We have two people groups here. We have Jews, we have Gentiles, and there is a clear statement made that one people group is not better than the other. And this can be really easy for us to miss because we don't know we don't know all the history and context. We don't know. There's a lot of stories in Acts where like we don't understand the tensions between these ethnic groups. But the original reader would have seen this and would have realized, like, oh, that group's not better than that group. That group's not more holy. And so I want to read just really quickly Peter's words. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what's right. So if you want to talk about, um, yeah, God loving different people groups, this is one of the many passages in Acts that you could point to. But the other things I want to look at here, God speaks to both of them. We have Cornelius, we have Peter, we have a Jew, we have a Gentile. We have one accepted by the law, and we have one that's not. And God speaks to both of them. He speaks to them in different ways, but there's a common theme between both of these communications. God speaks to both of them during their regular dedicated time of prayer. 
They're not just walking down the street. They're not like, oh, maybe I should pray like for once in my life. Both of them we see go to their time of prayer, and in that, God speaks. God speaks to both of them. Another thing we couldn't help but notice, both of them listen. Like, that's kind of crazy. Both of them here. This is not a super common theme. Like, we see it in the Bible a lot because the Bible is like all these cool stories put together and some kind of gruesome and gross stories put together. But, you know, we see lots of stories in the Bible of God speaking to people. But this is not, this would not be a common thing. Maybe for Peter, he walked with Jesus for three years. But for Cornelius, this would have been a new experience. And yet both of them listen. And recognize God's voice, which goes back to the regular time of prayer. The more time we spend with Jesus, the easier we can recognize his voice. Both listen. And both of them obey. And that's maybe the craziest thing here. Because God's asking them both to do kind of crazy things. Cornelius, send your men to people who don't really like you and definitely won't enter your house. But send them. And Peter, go against all of your religious and upbringing And go with these people. They both listen. But I want to look at a Hebrew word. Shema, I think. Am I saying that right? Thank you, Caitlin. I say otherwise, somebody here is going to have taken Hebrew and be like, that's not how you say it. Oh, great. Then none of you know, so I'll pronounce it how I want. Just kidding. Okay, so Shema is a word in the Old Testament. If you look up the word here in a Hebrew lexicon, I realize none, I don't know why I'm saying this, but most of the time you see the word here in Hebrew, it is the word Shema. And if you look into this word, you can go look at the Bible Project video on this word. Um, it's really fascinating. But the word Shema essentially means to listen and respond, to listen and obey. So in the original Hebrew, there isn't a word for just obey. There's a word for listen, and there's a word for listen and obey, but there's not a word for just obey. This word Shema is used by God over and over in the Old Testament. And so for Jewish people, this idea of listening to God would not have just been, okay, I'm going to listen, but this idea of I listen and I respond. Bible Project says it this way, from God's point of view, you listening is basically the same as, like, or, like, listen is the same as listening and keeping covenant. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, this idea is the same. To listen to God is to respond. To listen to God is to respond. And that's what we see here. We see Peter and Cornelius listening and responding without hesitation. And what is the result? I want to read quickly. This whole chapter is really good. So, I mean, actually the whole book is really good. So just go read the whole book. But, you know, if you're not going to do that, you can read the rest of chapter 10. It's awesome. But the end, so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. And makes the statement we read, I realize that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears fears him and does what is right. And then he gives the gospel message, and he recaps that Jesus came and died and rose again. 
and commanded us to preach to people and testify. And he finishes telling them the gospel message. And Acts 10, 44 says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, again important, Jews, circumcised believers, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So Peter preaches the gospel. And clearly the men who go with him didn't expect anything to come of it. But the Holy Spirit comes on them in such a way that the believing Jews cannot deny that the Holy Spirit moved in their lives. So we see here, all of a sudden, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are accessible to everyone. You know, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But here, the apostle Peter realizes that Jesus wasn't only for the Jews. In this moment of Peter and Cornelius listening and obeying, listening and responding to God, puts into motion the fulfillment of Acts 1-8 where it says, you will like be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And we've talked about this, the ends of the earth, that includes us. We get to know Jesus because Jesus said to the ends of the earth. And this puts that in motion. And Jeff will talk about this more next week as they debate what this looks like for the future of the church in Acts chapter 11. But because Cornelius and Peter listened and responded to the voice of God, and they, they didn't know. They had no idea that this was going to change everything. When Cornelius said, okay, God, you told me to send these people, I'll send them. He had no idea the effect it was going to have not only on his life but on the world. And I want to ask, what would it mean for us if we started to shema? If we started to listen and respond to the voice of God? Because those impossible things we talked about at the beginning, the brokenness in the world, those impossible situations, are no longer impossible. Because we've been talking about this so much through this semester in the book of Acts. Like, we serve a God who does the impossible. So back to my story of being depressed and feeling like it was impossible and having some really, really, really low moments. I ended up from a, if you want more details, I can share more details with you afterwards, a clearly divine moment where I ended up at a prayer night that I really didn't want to be at. What a great, what a great pastor in training I was. I was at a prayer meeting that I didn't want to be at. But before the prayer meeting, what I didn't know, I had passed the leader in the hallway and he already knew I was going, and he was like, I'll see you tonight. And I was like, yeah, I'll see you tonight. 
But what I didn't know in that moment, God prompted him and said, I'm going to do something in her life tonight. I'm going to break through her walls in her life tonight. I had been hoping and praying for this for years, and this was definitely not the night it was going to happen. So at this prayer night, he comes up to me. He says, Catherine, is there anything you want me to pray for? (sighs) We've all had that moment. And I said, yes. My leg is hurting, and I have a really big race this weekend. Can you pray for my leg? I'm not even kidding. That's what I said, and he prayed for my leg. And then he said, because he listened to the voice of God, he said, there's something else that God wants to do and work on in your life. I never told him. To this day, he has no idea what he was praying for. But in that moment, I broke down and God met me and my depression was gone. It doesn't always happen like that. Like we can, let's have a whole discussion about depression. I'm not, you know, like, don't, please don't read more than what I'm saying. I'm telling you my experience. But in that moment, God showed up. Because this guy, Jacob, I believe his name was, who still has no idea what he prayed for, because he listened and responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Even when I was stubborn and said, pray for my leg, he listened to that voice. What would it mean in our lives if we were to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? What could it mean for our campus? We've been praying. A lot of you have been praying with us after salt. We felt this passion. We felt this passion to love people well, to reach people around us, to share the love of Jesus. And what could it look like? Because we can't do it on our own. But what would it look like if we listened and responded to the voice of Jesus. Um, Jeff, if you don't mind coming up, we're just going to do a short time of reflection. Jeff's going to play a song. Um, But I want, I want us, as Jeff is playing, I want us to ask God this question. God, what are you prompting me to do? Maybe, maybe you need to go a step deeper. Like, God, I don't want to listen. I'm scared. If I listen, I have to respond, and I don't know if I want to do that. All of these responses are legit, but talk to God. Talk to him. Ask him what is possible. Ask him what do you want to do on our campus. Nina, um, she shared last week after SALT. It was really fun seeing uh, God meet her and do stuff in her life at our winter conference SALT. But she came back saying, I don't know what, and I don't know when, but I think God said he wants to do something on our campus. What would it look like for us and the people around us if we listened and responded to the voice of God? Jesus, I thank you that you speak. I thank you that you care about our lives, our personal lives. I thank you that you care about those around us. I thank you that you care about the impossible situations, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's friendships, whether it's people we so desperately want to know your love and yet don't. I thank you that you care. You care so much about the impossible situations in our world. 
and the things that we say are impossible, you say, yeah, but I'm God. Tonight, I pray that you will help each of us to listen and respond to your voice. That those two will become so fused that as we listen for your voice, we can't help but to respond. Speak to us tonight. Help us wrestle through our fears, our concerns with you tonight. Speak and help us respond, Jesus, in your name. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at MilwaukeeXA to keep up to date on our events and services. Or stop by Bolton Hall Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in room B40.